0: I mean you don't always get to hear us unless you come to like the youth services. So uh, it's great that you'll get to hear from myself and uh, Josiah this morning. And so um, personally, I want to thank uh, Pastor Mark and uh, Pastor Rob for letting us have this opportunity because it is great to have that. Um, but how many know like this last week we just came out of the Christmas season. You know, Christmas was, was this past week. And, and so um, Christmas always comes with a lot of things, doesn't it? Like, a lot of things. Um, I mean, there's, there's all the decorations everywhere. You have all, all the lights, the Christmas trees, um, the nativity scenes, and all of it seems to cover our house from the inside to the outside, and it's all over the place, right? I mean, it's, it's, it seems to be that there's so much going on because you have your Christmas parties, uh, your, your office parties, you have your, your family get-togethers, you have your friend get-togethers, and all of a sudden, everything is just going on during the Christmas season, including shopping and getting all the last-minute gifts, and then all of a sudden, the day comes, and then it goes. And then after that, what, what seems to be the next part about once everything comes and goes? You know, once the, the Christmas dinner is put away, once, once all the gifts have been unwrapped and, and everything has, has been put in their place, what's the next step? You start tearing everything back down. You pack it all back up for next year because that's, that's what happens. So for, how many of you have already started putting your stuff away? Started putting the Christmas stuff away. Okay, how many of you wait until like the end of January or maybe end of February? Okay, how about, how about, how about who, who put it away the very day of Christmas? Like literally everyone's gone home, like as soon as everyone got in the car, like once family left, you started putting everything away. You see, see I heard from Pastor Mark that, that, that some of his family does that, almost to the point of where they're still like there and haven't left the house yet, um, and they're already like putting all the decorations away. And so you know we sit there and we start putting everything away. we put all all the different decorations away, we pack up the lights, we pack up the tree, um, we pack up all the all the different things in the yard, and then we kind of come down to the little nativity scene. and how many of you guys feel a little bit weird when you have to sit there and pack up the nativity scene you know it's not it's not that it's you know anything special i mean it's just they're just little little figurines, but what is it like to sit there and put Jesus into a box? You know, when we sit there and we pack him up until next year, and it's, it's, it's not that it's really Jesus that we're putting in the box. It's just we're, we're, we have this little figurine and we stick him in the box. But I think part of why we feel a little bit guilty is because it also represents that we do kind of put him in a box. We do kind of put them in a box because we let our joy, the joy of the Christmas season, we let that get packed away until the next year. You see, during the Christmas season, we have all these things that we do. We give, we serve, we do all these uh, amazing things, and there's this joy with the season. Literally, during the Christmas time, everything is labeled with joy. But then we pack it all up in a box till next year. You see, there's there's this um, psychologist who, who did this study. I, I won't say her name just because it was... I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name. I'm sorry. It's, it's a weird one. Um, but she did this study, and um, she says up to 25% of us experience post-holiday depression or some form of depression that can creep up days after the holiday is over. So this time of year, it's filled with so much joy, but it's quickly quickly eclipsed by depression. You see, and here's a couple of things that they found that kind of lead us to that depression. Uh, first is that December is typically one, like it's filled with a lot of social events, a lot of parties, a lot of things that we have going on. And all of a sudden we get to January and there is nothing. There's literally nothing going on. And so this drastic change in our social calendars makes us feel isolated and alone. Another thing that they found is that holidays are typically spent with, hol- with family, right? We spend time with our family. And during that time, we sometimes find that we do not get what we want from our family. They don't say what we expect them to, what we want them to say. They don't do what we want them to do. And so in that, we get hurt or we feel left out or things just, just don't seem to equate with our family. And so that adds to it. Then there's also like this time of year, it brings up memories, Brings up lots of memories, some of them good memories, some of them great memories. But then at the same time, it makes us remember family members that have maybe gone, that aren't with us anymore. Maybe it, maybe it makes us remember relationships that are now distant, people that we don't have contact with anymore and we wish we did. And so it brings this sense of feeling of, of loss. And we feel like we have to go through that process of mourning all over again, sometimes during the holiday season. Another thing is January, especially here in Minnesota with all the snow and the cold. It is one of the darkest months of the year. Am I right? Who is not looking forward to the super cold weather that will be coming? And we know it will be coming. And the reality is, is that we, we, during this month, people tend to stay inside, they stay home. They stay, um, they kind of, in a sense, hibernate a little bit. We don't want to go outside. It is too cold. It is too snowy. Things are terrible and disgusting. out. I don't want to leave the house. And so we get this, this sense there. And then also, the holiday is just busy. We are tired. We are so very tired. I work retail. I am extremely tired. Like, extremely tired. Like, you don't even know how tired, and I don't get a break. So, um, you know, it's, it's just that sense of all of that adding up, and we get all this anxiety, and all this stuff piles up, and it leads to our depression. And some of you may think, well, the other thing is we might have had a little too much Christmas cookies. And the sweets and all that kind of stuff. And so that adds to to our anxiety of the the fact that we feel a little guilty about what we ate. We might have indulged ourselves just a little too much. And so um, that kind of adds up to that depression. And so, whatever the reason is, we forget the joy that Christmas time brings. We forget that joy. So, rather than keeping our joy, we sit there. And we place Jesus back in a box. We let that joy get put back into a box. See, now, it's important to to realize and note that when I'm talking about joy, I'm not talking about happiness. You see, the root word of happiness is hap. Okay, so the root word is hap. And what that means is hap brings the, the idea of chance and luck. So that means that happiness, what we consider happiness is always dependent upon our circumstances. So it's dependent upon what's going on around us. It's dependent upon how we're feeling, all those types of things. Happiness has a dependency on that. Now, joy is different than happiness. You see, we can have joy when we're not happy. So joy is different than that. So joy doesn't, doesn't have to depend upon our circumstances. Instead, joy is a choice. See, joy is a choice to be positive. It's a a choice to praise God in every circumstance, in every circumstance, in every situation, knowing that God is in control. You see, we can be happy when we get a raise. We can be happy when we see a beautiful flower. We can be happy when we lose 10 pounds. But Joy isn't like that. Joy, on the other hand, doesn't have to depend upon those circumstances. Joy comes in those moments where happiness seems impossible. That's when we have to choose to have joy. You see, joy comes in those moments when when. Everything seems to be going wrong. We could be facing uh, loneliness. We could be facing illness, death, unemployment, or even persecution. And in those moments, we have the, the choice to have joy. So we can choose to bring joy out of our Christmas season, or we can choose to put it back in the box. That's what we have to choose you see, I think one of, the, one of the best people to look at um, when it comes to joy is the Apostle Paul. You see, Paul, you know, Paul went through a lot of things in his life. He went through a lot of things. And I think the best way that we can see this is if we look at uh, 2 Corinthians 11. You see here, he lists off a ton of things that go wrong. You know, he's trying to get out a point to tell, tell the Corinthians about, but, but I think it's important to look at what he went through and then realize that, He tells us to choose joy. See, so this is what it says, uh, starting in verse 24. So five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas, and I face faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long enduring, long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. See, now, Paul has gone through all this stuff in his life. He's been through all that, but... He stays joyful. He could have taken those moments and been in those moments and said, this is the worst thing ever. I can't get through this. Uh, this is, you know, he could have been angry and frustrated with God. He could have been mad. He could have gone through all these things, but instead he chooses to be joyful. And in the same way, he tells us to be joyful. Because if we look at Philippians 4.4, 4, it says, to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. You see, Paul really wants us to get this idea. He really wants us to understand that we need to rejoice in the Lord always, so he repeats it. He says, again, I say rejoice. He wants to drive that that point home that we need to be joyful. You see, rejoice here, if you look at, at it in the Greek, it's not just a word for, for joy. It's literally a command to be joyful. He is giving us a command. You see, but you might think, but when but when do we need to be joyful? You see, if we look in there, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And when it says always, that another way of translating that would be at all times. At all times. That means no matter what circumstance you're going through, whether it's good or whether it's bad, we need to be joyful. Whether things are going wrong, uh, whether, whether you're worried, whether you're sad, all of that, we need to be joyful. You see, but that's easier to say than it is to act out, Right? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I went through the same thing where, where I had a moment where I could stay joyful, but to be honest, I didn't, because it was really hard. You see, I had one of those days at work where everything, and I mean everything, was going wrong. Like, I get there, I get to work, and I find out that someone's sick. Okay, start off the morning, I'm down a person. Okay, it's... Couple days before Christmas, I can get through this. Yeah, we can. We can all be on the register all at once. Yeah, no one can be on the floor helping people. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we can do this. Uh, so that happens, and then all of a sudden, I get a phone call saying, uh, "Yeah." So we looked at your car. Insurance has looked at it. Uh, yeah, it's totaled. It's not worth fixing. Um, The value of your car, because of the age, because of everything, you know, the mileage, all that kind of stuff, your car's just totaled. We're not going to fix it. Okay. I can find a new car. You know, that's that's great. Yeah, and then on top of that, then all of a sudden, uh, someone decides that they're going to switch their shift, and um, yeah, that's the other management person, and they needed the night off. And so they get someone to cover their shift, but of course times were not communicated correctly. So in other words, when I'm supposed to be able to take a break, actually get off my feet for like a half an hour um, and, and maybe eat some lunch at like three o'clock, um, that didn't happen. Because uh, yeah, that person didn't know they were supposed to come in until 5.30. My shift was done at 4.30. So that would be an hour without a management person there. And so, you know, it it seems like in that moment, I could have been like, oh, everything's going to be fine. I can get through this. But I was not fine. I'm going to tell you I was cranky. I I was hangry. Trust me, I was hangry. I was so hangry. Um, it, it was one of those moments where all that's going on, and all of a sudden, at the very last person at the end of my shift, of course, had to have the most complicated customer service stuff that I couldn't even handle because it had nothing to do with me. You know, it had nothing to do with me, nothing that I could control and nothing that I could help with, and all of a sudden, everything's my fault. And in that moment, I was not the nicest person. I was not joyful. And the sad thing is, is I had to be reminded by, um, later on that night when I finally got home, I I was looking at Facebook and one of my friends, who's a pastor out in Milwaukee, he uh, had a post talking about how he had a choice to be joyful. He had just been preaching on it and all of a sudden things were going wrong with him. And at the same moment, he was like, I had to remind myself. I just talked about this. I just talked about joy and I needed to be joyful. And his entire situation went a whole lot different than mine because he chose to be joyful in that moment. You see, and that's what's important is that no matter what we're going through, we have to remember that we have to have joy. Joy. We can either choose to be joyful throughout the year, to choose to be joyful in those moments where things seem to be going wrong, or we can allow it to be taken away from us. We can allow our circumstances, allow everything else to take that joy away from us. But no matter what, it is our choice. Nothing else can take that away but ourselves and our, and our allowing of that to happen. And so you may think so, so what can we be joyful in? And you see, Paul, he continues in Philippians, he says, to rejoice in the Lord, which means that we should rejoice in and because of Christ. Which means that we can take joy in the many things that God has done for us and done in our lives and all the reminders that he has for us that we can choose to live out daily see, here's a couple of biblical principles that we can take joy from, okay? These are straight from the Bible. So, and trust me, these, this is just a very small list. This isn't, this isn't a ton of things. This is just a small list. So uh, first one, that Jesus sets us free. You see, John 8, through, uh, 8 uh, 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Another one is that we are no longer slaves and that we are also a child of God. You see, so it says in Galatians 4.7, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You see, we, another thing is that we can go before him with assurance. We can go before God with assurance. It says in Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that may re, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. See, our salvation is secure. See, John ten twenty eight says, "I give them eternal life, and they will never, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand." Romans eight thirty one through nine um, also says this: that I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. See, God is for us, so who can stand against us? Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, Jesus actually loves us. John 15, 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. See, God is working all, thi- working all things out for good so that we can be more like Christ. That's Romans 8, 23 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. See Jesus has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And that Psalms 103:12 as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We are never alone, forgotten or forsaken. Who, uh, Romans 8, uh, 35 through 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, shall trouble or hardship or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as, is, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, God is faithful to fulfill all of his promises. 2 Timothy 2.3, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. You see, the reality is, is this, this small list of 10 things, it barely touches the surface of what is in the Bible on promises and things that we can be reminded of to have joy. It barely touches the surface. And let alone just what's in the Bible, what about what's in your own life? You see, God has brought you through things. He has brought you through circumstances. He has brought you through victories. He has brought you through places that you can sit there and say, I can be joyful because of what God has done here. And I think that's the biggest thing that we need to take out of this is that we need to remind ourselves to be joyful. We need to remind ourselves to have joy. And I think a couple ways that we can do that. One is, is by making a list. Make a list of the things that God has done in your life so that every time you don't have joy. Every time you feel like everything is going wrong and you don't think you can be joyful, you can be reminded of what God has done. That in itself is a biblical principle because if you, if you look at the Old Testament, over and over again, God told the Israelites to build altars. He told them to build altars so they could be reminded what God has done in their lives. And it's so that they could see the joy They could physically see it and be reminded of it so that they could have it. And I think that's what we need to do in our lives. We need to make a list. We need to make a list of what God has done in our lives. We need to make a list of what biblical principles God has that we can be reminded of that no matter what happens, no matter what happens in our life, that no one will be able to take away the joy that God has given us. So that's your homework. It's like, yep, I'm a youth pastor, I'm giving you homework. Your homework is is to go and and to write a list so that you have a reminder of the joy that you need to have throughout this year so that it doesn't get put back in a box during the Christmas time, only to, to be taken back out at that time. So let's pray. God, I thank you for this, um, for this morning and for um, this word that you've given me and this ability to, uh, to preach this to everyone. And God, I pray that right now that we would choose to have joy throughout this year, that we would choose to have joy no matter what circumstances that we're in, no matter what happens in our life, that we would choose to have the joy that you give us this season. We thank you for for the birth of your son. We thank you for, for the amazing things that he did by dying for us on the cross. And God, I thank you right now for the things that will happen in this new year and the things that will come because that is something that we can look forward to. Thank you for all this in your name, amen.